a playlist original. Something has moved in with the Barkley family. And so has terror. Child's Play. You wish it was only make-believe. Rated R. Starts Wednesday, November 9th at the theater near you. Hey, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Blockbuster with your hosts, Gaius and Jackson. Uh, recording two episodes today on November 13th, um, which would be really fun. Uh, and this is the, uh, you know, two anniversary episodes. I mean, I, I feel like we I've, we did mix in some anniversary episodes during the whole Tales of Horror, but right. this, is, uh, this is like a prop. There are two proper anniversary episodes that are both horror movies, uh, which, you know, feels like we're kind of doing the Tales of Horror thing again. I know. It but... still feels like we haven't really left Halloween behind, but the, interesting um, <laughs> release dates for these uh, horror movies. It seems like they got bumped off the Halloween calendar back when they were coming out. They both feel like September, October movies, but oh well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. And they're both going to be really fun. Like we're, we're doing Child's Play for the first one that you're hearing right now. And then we have uh, two guests on for uh, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, which will be fun because uh, one of them is a guest that you guys really do like when he pops up on our, on the show because he is an infectious personality and he loves to chat these movies up he also has a he said a fun story about jennifer love hewitt for that episode so oh great. Uh, that, that'll be fun for for her to share on that um but before uh, we get into the anniversary stuff um when you listen to our two-year uh anniversary episode uh that came out friday we said that um you know by the time you listen to it Perhaps the sack strike will be over, and uh, we were happy to report uh, it was over two days before that episode came out. It officially ended on Wednesday after 118 days, which is officially the longest uh, sack strike uh, on record. Um, Ooh, not the movie history that I would like to be covering yeah, this year, but yeah, um, this not, whole, not, yeah, not the fun facts that you really want to not share. Exactly. No, I'm glad it's over. It felt like a lot longer than that. I'm just curious. Do you happen to know? Um, the last actor strike, I guess, that went on <clears throat> is it how by how many days is this longer than? Uh, let me uh, try to, let me try to pull it up because I actually should have looked that up earlier because I was, you know, 118 days is long, but I was like, well, I wonder what I didn't, I didn't realize this is the new record until you mentioned it, and I feel like I should have looked it up too. But I mean, without really knowing when it was going to end, I didn't know when that stat would be relevant again. But <clears throat> I'm not sure I remember seeing that it was the longest, but that ugh. yeah. Glad it's behind us now and glad both strikes have now wrapped up because now things can get moving again and seen lots of different uh, promotions and, you know, slots getting rearranged for movie releases again. So things are back on track, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, it, it's good. Um, you know, and you know what's crazy is that a lot of people have asked, for, like, for writing for the outlets and stuff that I write for, like, did what were we affected by the strike at all? And um, I think depending on what you do for each outlet, whether it's news or if it's uh, uh, just doing features, um, right. they, f- they found a way to pivot where we were still pretty busy. And of course, like the strike itself was news uh, too. True. Yeah. But um, there was a almost immediate change uh, for all, like all three outlets that I've been writing for because PR people, right away started sending emails about wanting to book their talent for interviews between basically the day the strike ended and the end right. of the year because they're you know it's award season there's still some stuff coming out uh movie wise uh not just award season movies but like you know you got stuff like aquaman and wonka coming out in december so there's still um some big releases on the calendar and they want to get they want to get their talent uh 
set up for interviews. And that was literally uh, after I think the strike ended Wednesday. And then I mean, I think two hours later, we started seeing emails about yeah. when can <clears throat> they book uh, their talent for upcoming interviews. So that was something that I was like, well, it was like a little overwhelming because it, it was right. It was right away. And I think I was messing with oh, you yeah. because we were, we were talking because I made that joke about the marbles and like Kevin Feige basically being like, trying to book them on Jimmy Kimmel like right now instantly to save, yeah to save the movie and you know I wasn't too far off because she uh Brie Larson ended up doing the tonight show with Jimmy Fallon on Friday uh Aman Vellani who plays Ms. Marvel made like a surprise appearance at the El Capitan Theater showing the movie with the director Nia DaCosta mm-hmm. um everyone was posting from the movie all this behind the scenes stuff on their Instagrams and Twitters and everything so it was they you they they tried to they tried a little bit in vain it seems <laughs> a little bit too late yeah a little last me- minute little yeah. last minute media blitz uh to get the word out um i will say this too like for a lot of actors who i follow on social media whether they're big ones or more indie or smaller actors they were just so excited to post stuff about movies that had come out that they made during the strike and just kind of share like what those movies meant to them and how much it was unfortunate that they couldn't talk about them. So a lot of people were sharing like behind the scenes stuff from a lot of movies that came out during that 118 day period. And they, they finally got to speak on and then thank all the people that worked on the movies right. and, and TV shows. And uh, it was cool. It was nice to see that, that they were able to finally like, you know, talk about something they were proud of and right. not be held back by the strike. So that was uh, refreshing to see. And um, I'm glad that we're kind of back to normal. I mean, oh, I mean, I, I'm glad this is all done before award season because this yeah, is yeah, like, exactly. This might this might be a pretty fun award season. It seems like and, <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah, a lot of movies going to be competing for a lot of different categories this year, and this is particularly surprising. I don't think if you had to ask me when we last recorded on Monday if I had thought this strike would be over before the new year, I don't think I really would have bet on it. Just judging on well, what we were I, getting from both sides, so yeah, very, I was very yeah, I was, on your page too. I was I was like, I feel like this is gonna go into January. A lot of people I knew who like I'm a you know, uh Brittany with uh cats who used to be on the show was talking yep. about it with me and she thought like it could go into January. Just it doesn't you know, everyone kind of felt that I think uh inkling because both sides seemed to it was almost like two <laughs> like parents getting like the divorce parents getting like some kind of fight yeah, they were, like, big custody you know, battle yeah a big custody battle like <laughs> when they're talking one's talking shit to this outlet the other ones are talking shit to that outlet and then they're like don't believe everything you hear like they're kind of like throwing mud at each- or subtle subtle shade at each other sometimes it wasn't so subtle um, <laughs> in that case it was kind of like a presidential uh <laughs> election yeah. race <laughs> too but they uh you know they met uh it seems like in a place that uh they're happy with i'll go over that yeah um Summarize for us what was nailed down in that contract. And as far as I understand, it's good for three years. Is that right? It is good for three years. Um, okay. And that is, uh, and the good thing about why they were fighting for the changes now is that when you do come back to renew it, um, it'll be a lot easier, I think, to have it move a bit more smoothly this time mm. with like all these kind of new things in place so they don't have to like fight for you know, the streaming stuff anymore, or the AI right. protection, like, uh, you know, so, you know, it's interesting too, because like there was that whole uh, Coyote versus Acme story drops, like I think or a day or two after the strike ended, and that basically Warner Brothers, is, 
you know, it, the movie's been completed for a year and they're just, they just decided to shelve it for a $30 million tax write-off. And this uh, one person already was like, you know what? I feel like when we work on our contracts again in three years that we need protection for that too. Where there's, you have a, you have a completed motion picture completely done. It's been going through test screenings, uh, which were very positive. Apparently like a lot of people were comparing it to who framed Roger Rabbit. And okay. And then, then you decide to dump it as a tax write-off after I, I was reading some of the posts from these guys that worked on the movie. They worked on it for three long years. And they Ooh. said to have it be like dumped like that. Now the good thing is that apparently a bunch of like talent uh, reps and filmmakers basically called Warner Brothers all weekend, threatening to pull their talent from some of their upcoming projects, or wouldn't even have their talent work with them if they didn't fix this. Because right. they were like, "What's they were like? What's the point of us booking talent with your studio if you're gonna suddenly decide?" And this right isn't even the first time this year that Warner and Brothers. And this is the third time they've done it. Is it the third? Is it the third time? What was so, it? I don't know. There's Batwoman, Batgirl, Batgirl, right? And then the, they did an animated sequel to that Scooby Doo movie that came out during COVID. That sequel was done, and they shelved that as well. So this is the oh, third. Oh, I didn't realize they'd done that to the Scooby Doo. I like honestly forgot what you would, were talking about until you mentioned that. That's right. Yeah. I forgot all about that. So that was that was a uh, Scoob Holiday Hunt that uh, yes. haunt that never came out. <laughs> right. Um, and so Warner Brothers, you know, decided that uh, the cr the creative team can shop it and sell it to another respective buyer. And apparently they're screening it this week for streamers and um, Amazon, Netflix, Apple TV are all interested in acquiring it. So it would be a good, nice fuck you uh, to them if like mm. someone else picked it up and it was highly successful for them. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, but like that's, you know, when you're thinking about like what the contracts should be like if they do this again in three years. Right. I think that's another thing that might get brought up in some way. I bet you're right. That's a great point. And it should, because yeah, this, there's a precedent starting to get sent set by War Brothers doing it and just getting away with it. Essentially. I have a feeling and I wouldn't know, but I, I bet something like that must be like somewhere in a clause when you sign on the dotted line to work with Warner Brothers studios that they must have like final say on what happens to the finished product. But yeah, um, I would, I would guess anyway, if not, then it's about time that there is, but definitely disappointing for all the artists that spent, like you said, years, months, and years working on these things. It's definitely disappointing. I mean, this is like a live action animated movie hybrid. So, I mean, I get, I'm assuming that the, not even the beyond like, you know, the actual principal photography, I imagine like the post production mm. must be insane. Uh, very lengthy. Here. Yeah, definitely. And like, you know, and I, I was reading some of their stuff on Twitter and everything. And, you know, not, and what made this even worse is that these people were like sharing, like, hey, I worked on this piece of music for this movie. You guys won't probably be able to hear it but i'm really proud of it blah, blah 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 right and then warner brothers started attacking those people with like copyright like infringement stuff and telling them that they couldn't post it so that made like the situation wow and so that so i think uh that is why they were getting so many angry calls <laughs> um i didn't realize all this drama had unfolded over the weekend that is nuts um yeah i'm trying to uh try to find like when uh the longest sack strike is, but it's kind of before 2023. Yeah, uh, I uh, yeah. felt like I'd one seen... was on when 1960. Was it? it was six, uh, 1960 was six weeks. Uh, okay, nothing like this, else. nothing like that at all. Um, there was one in 2000 that wasn't that long either. So, I mean, I don't know. This, I mean, this is unprecedented, I guess. So, yeah, certainly. Days is a lengthy amount of time. Um, <clears throat> 
I'm also curious what uh, oh, yeah. three years of uh, AI development will change and how different the landscape of screenplay writing will be in three years. And if studios are going to pine for maybe some not that popular demands in involving yeah. AI and screenplay writing, um, time, I guess, will tell. But I have a feeling that that's about to change the game. And so I hopefully, so, so what, what, do you, uh, what do you have there for the concessions from the uh, contract? I know I read them over once, like just after the news broke, the strike was over, but. I'm just curious yeah. what was so I think all the demands really, were pretty much met, right? Yeah, met. And I think um what we what we have here they said is a deal uh that is worth overall 1.1 billion dollars. Um it says actors will now get raises to minimum wages of 7% in the first year. They'll have AI protections that require consent for performers getting digital scans on each film as well as a requirement that the studios must get consent from an estate if an actor has died. And for the first time, a streaming participation bonus that's worth an estimated $40 million per year or $120 million throughout the full term of the deal, which gives added residuals for successful shows and movies released through streaming. Other gains include higher caps for the pension and health plans, which is also a big deal um, for uh, actors making, you know, under a certain amount a year uh, that weren't getting uh, health insurance. Uh, nice. Guard guardrails against self-taped auditions, higher compensation for background performers. That was another one of contention. Makeup and hairstyle requirements for performers of diverse hair and skin types. I was that heard that as I was like reading about like a lot okay. of the stuff in the deal that, that that was another like having more diversity in that department on set because that's nice. also very important too. Uh, a requirement for in, in, intimacy coordinators. A lot of shows and movies are having those now. Okay, um, interesting. Usually to, usually to make they say to make both performers feel comfortable, but I mean in the wake of the B2 movement, I think it was largely to make uh female talent feel more comfortable if they're doing right. love scenes. Um new language for motion capture performers, and they said much, much more. If you want like the full uh kind of breakdown of it, it's on deadline highway report. It's everywhere now. As okay. of today, they released they released the full uh mock-up for it but i mean yeah but that's the base the basis of it and okay I think that's pretty i think that's pretty huge and absolutely um, just a shame it took this long for studios to really concede these demands but you know glad and proud for everyone in the union that stuck through it as long as they did because they eventually got what they were you know fighting for which is very happy ending yeah and you know the the minimum uh, wage uh uh, of seven percent in the within the first year is actually higher than the one that the WGA deal got that they got five percent, five percent up, and then the DGA, uh, which a lot of people made fun of the Directors Guild because they did not stand in true solidarity. They got they they went they got the first deal they were offered and took it, and okay. uh, so but their theirs was five percent as well. Um, and you know the uh, SAG after did acknowledge that they did not get everything they wanted from the onset and okay. 86% of the national board voted to approve the contract and send it to members. Um, but I, you asked me earlier, I think it has more to do with like my just percentage gains, like stuff like that. Like, Oh, maybe we should have got a, a little bit more when it comes to this. Okay. And, and then, but Fran Drescher, who is the president of SAG after said that they opened up a new pocket of revenue from which members could be paid and that the gains made here will grow in future negotiations. So that is another thing, like you said, in the next three years when mm -hmm. they need to like do this again, this, uh, this is kind of like the base that's already been set. And this is kind of like the new standard now. Right. So either you'll have three years as you know, to see how lofty those gains actually are and, and see if, you know, if that's all that was necessary or if you can maybe move the, 
you know, bump it up a notch again and see what you can get. But I honestly think in terms of like this stuff, it will be a lot easier to. Yeah, hopefully you're it. right. Yeah. It would be nice to avoid another strike in three years time, but. Yeah, I agree. So happy for everyone uh, right. involved. And uh, I know a lot of people personally, I, my, my friend Drew is a grip and he's worked on like, he was, he worked on like Jordan Peele's Nope. He's done like a lot of the, that was a grip on like a bunch of the Star Wars shows for Disney okay. Plus. And he is actually like, you know, trying to plan a wedding. And he was like, I need to work. Weddings are expensive. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Uh, <laughs> weddings are very expensive. And, you know, he is very happy to get back to work. So, yeah, certainly. Um, as will be hundreds of thousands of people in the industry now, which yeah. is a fantastic big W for the industry all around. Like, I know caterers have been brought up a lot of time as like, you know, a little pocket of the industry that you wouldn't necessarily think just because actors aren't starring in movies right now, how does that affect them? But like, there's tons of, as you mentioned, hundreds of thousands of people in different little areas of the industry that have been off work for months now. So yeah. I'm sure everyone is uh, clinking champagne glasses as of Wednesday, as were we just now that it's nice to see a more fluid movie schedule. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And like, you know, there isn't like a ton of like news news just yet to go over, but there right. were some, there are some like immediate things that happened as soon as the strike ended, which kind of confused some people as to why they were hearing about movies being delayed because <laughs> they're like, oh, the strike's <laughs> over. Um, right. So I, what I think, and, and so far I think Marvel Disney is the only uh, studio that has announced delays like this, but I think what they're having to do is look at how much of their movies were completed, how much the principal photography was done. Right. How long realistically would post production be, and can we make our original release dates on a lot of these? And I think with some, they realized they couldn't. Right. And that's why they're uh, uh, delaying. Like the first one that we heard about was Venom Part Three. I, I, I some uh, people care about it. I guess. Um, I, I don't. Yes. I, oh, you, you, can sh- you can shuffle that around the schedule for like the next five years, and I wouldn't care about it at all. Exactly. Uh, um, I'm with you. But uh, the original, uh, they actually the release date was. July 2024, and they've moved it now to November 8th, 2024. Uh, Sony always had that date reserved for a Marvel movie, and it as it turned out that they reserved that November 8th date for Venom 3, just in case they would okay. look at look at where they were at and be like, Oh, we we can't make that July 2044. They a lot of uh a lot of people asking when a lot of these movies are gonna get back to work. A lot of movies, TV shows are getting back in front of the camera right after Thanksgiving break. So that is okay. when a lot of a lot of things are gonna work. Um for network TV and everything, uh there'll be enough time to get at least 10 to 13 episodes of TV uh ready for like mid-season. So mid- beginning February to May. Uh CBS actually already uh revealed their lineup. So you'll see a lot more of that kind of okay. coming up on, on the TV side of things. Um and then, and this actually might be a blessing in disguise for Marvel. They they push back a few things. Um after the strike ended, um, they moved Deadpool 3 from May 3rd, 2024 to July 26, 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they moved uh, Captain America uh, as well uh, from uh, 24, 2024 release date to February 14th, 2025. Um, they also moved Blade from February 14th, uh, 2025 to November 7th, 2025. Holy, almost a whole all- year. Right. Uh, Marvel's Thunderbolts, which didn't, which didn't even start production due to the, the dual strike, now goes from December 20th, 2024 to July 25th, 2025. Um, and I also shifts. I think I think uh, Fantastic Four is also getting released in 2025. Um, 
buried in all that is that we're only getting one Marvel movie next year. Deadpool, Deadpool 3. 3. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to comment on that if you if you didn't. That's a crazy change of pace compared to the last yeah. three or four years, which I think it and, is for the best. I know. I think so, too. I think that uh, a lot of people are like, I had, there were some fans on Twitter that were like, oh, it's going to be so weird not having that many Marvel movies come out. And I was like, I think they need that. Right I think the audience um, needs a rest and a break and MC the MCU and Marvel needs a recoup clearly, especially after, you know, their string of recent failures and there's nothing yeah. really that pressing coming down the tunnel. So I think it's definitely time to take a breath and, and re strategize and you could lend a little bit more insight as to the whole Marvel's um, I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> I think overall it seems to be like a fiasco. It, it made how much? 45, 47 million? Uh, how, do you, how do you want me to introduce it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. the, However the you worded it to the, me the, off. Yeah, the, Marvels, the, Marvels, the Marvels not so marvelous box yes. office performance this weekend. Exactly. By the way, I do not believe in kicking a movie when it's down. I saw it on Thursday. It's perfectly fine. It's not like great MCU. It's kind of mid, but it was still fun. Like the three, okay. the, the three leads are great. Uh, I thought Brie Larson, Tiana Paris, and Amon Vellani were all great together. They had really good chemistry. Uh, Ms. Marvel, it kind of makes me want to watch Ms. Marvel because she did steal the movie. She was She's very really good. Been the, the highlight, like the really the only positives I've heard from people and channels and stuff <laughs> that I follow about this movie have yeah. all praised her, which I thought was surprising to hear. Honestly, I didn't like hear a lot of positives from Ms. Marvel from those that I follow that did take the time to check it out, and I kind of found. The promo material featuring her to be kind of annoying, but I'm, I'm I guess, so uh, pleasantly surprised though that she has been a highlight for people. Good for so her. So that was that's. I'm glad you mentioned that because I I thought she was like perfectly fine and like she I thought she was funny, but also in the back of my head I could also see that character annoying some people. Right. Yes. Being like yeah. like the whole like fawning over you know Captain Marvel and like yes uh, you know the whole like oh gee gee Willikers it's so cool to be a superhero. Right. <laughs> and she's very youthful <laughs> and you know different generation like just kind of but then didn't really have much going for me. Right. Someone made a point to, to me though they're like well no one complained about Tom Holland Spider-Man and Spider-Man Homecoming being that all like Oh gee, Mr. Stark, like all like into like you know fawning over okay. him. And I was like, interesting contrast there. I hadn't uh, even uh, thought about that. I was like, that's that's true because that is how he acted. Uh, true. Actually, I think he he acted that way in Infinity War too. Every time he was around him, so yeah, I I get it. Yep. Uh, he might have. I guess you can explain that. I guess by him being like a very beloved character, where Miss Marvel is like kind of brand new to audiences. Maybe that right. something in there. Right. So when I'll say, yeah, it was fun. I, there are some really cool action scenes. The effects are mostly good. I mean, it's a $200 million movie, so they better be. Um, you thought they were good? Okay, I've seen a lot of complaints about that as yeah, okay, well. I won't, okay, I won't say all of them. Some of them are good. Some of them, yeah. yeah. Some are shoddy yeah, yeah. for sure, it seems. I don't yeah. really have an opinion on this. I didn't see it. I almost um, went, like, I was thinking about seeing it so we could have some banter on it, but the audience, like, the reviews and stuff I've been looking at have kept me away from the... I, I stayed home and watched David Fitcher's The Killer this weekend instead, but Nice. Time might still allow. I might see it just for the sake of the conversation, but um, I'm interested to hear what you have to say, though, because I've seen mostly middling to negative reviews. Well, so I was trying to think of it this way. It was fun enough. It is mm -hmm. short and sweet. It's an hour and 45 right. minutes. Another so thing that was praised. Yeah. So it's short. And, you know, I think so I, I've come to the conclusion that the problem with Captain Marvel as a character isn't Brie Larson. Okay. Because they really, they really tried to like up her humor in this a bit and like made her less distant. I guess that's the best way to. Kind of Which was a complaint it. people had from her earlier when in right. her debut movie for sure. 
Um, but even with that change, I, I just think the character because like they, she's like Marvel Superman, so there's no real like there's no right. real weakness really, and you don't really have any doubt that like she's gonna triumph over evil. Like, there's no like right. kind of like which oh, I think like, a lot of people complain about. Yeah, are our heroes gonna make it? So there's that angle that uh didn't work. And since that angle doesn't work, it is especially more obvious when the villain sucks. And the villain in this was god awful. It's not I'm okay. I won't blame the actress who does a fine job. It's just like the right. character and the motivations are just so felt very like phase one MCU. Yes. <laughs> like, all right. She didn't feel like a viable threat, really. Mm-hmm. And but that's always been kind of an MCU problem. Like sometimes their villains don't work. Definitely. Um, it's more times than not, really. It's it's nice that they can back that up by having one of the greatest like villain arcs probably in recent memory maybe of all time like with thanos but it, they've seen to really be struggling since again this post thanos arc and it's the 33rd movie by now you'd think that maybe yeah. they would adapt a bit very surprised that that was like one of the overall biggest weak points of the movie because i've right. seen that people have agreed with that in unison across the board that the villain is very forgettable very forgettable um the mid-credit scene I understand the hype because I was I I was even surprised. I'm glad I avoided it online uh, and didn't know what the mid credit scene would be. Um, but it's it's encouraging. Uh, I, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for you unless you ever. Know I I have, I've heard of one. Of them. I didn't know if there was a mid and a post credit or just a post or just. Oh, oh apparently there's one at the end that you don't have to say for. I didn't say for that, so I don't even know what happened. Okay, <laughs> so then that. I'm I'm assuming I know what the mid one is though. I I won't spoil it for viewers that maybe haven't seen it yet, but I, I know exactly where you're going with that, which interesting route for the mcu to go down in the next couple movies if they yeah, figure so this I, shit out so i was down for that and then i they you know and i got the impression when we got Haley steifeld on the hawkeye series and then we got you know a new uh cassie lang and like uh ant-man and the wasp quantumania with uh Catherine newton and then of course miss marvel that it felt like they were going to be building because like young avengers is a big like comic, comic book art, yeah yeah and i think that is where they're going because they kind of like uh, uh, hint to that and that could be cool i guess i mean i i can see that being more assuming kid friendly so that might turn some people off i don't know but right. that is it is, seems like that's where they're going with that but you can't have a whole movie that's you know your bit your main hook is like that oh that cool mid-credit uh, scene. <laughs> no. i think we, I, th- I think we learned that from like black adam when the big the big talk was like the henry cavill cameo right. and um i don't think it's i, I don't just i don't think I don't think it deserves what it ended up getting, which was the lowest opening weekend for an MC movie, U movie ever. $47 million. Uh, right. It was tracking at 80 million at one point, and then that dropped to then it tra- that dropped to 60 to 65. And then we ended up with 47 million. Just to kind of put things in perspective, the first Captain Marvel opened to $153.4 million. Um, again, a much different time is when you like. Much different yeah, time. Different in times. That's right. It was it was the last film before Endgame. I think that had a lot to do with like the hype I around absolutely that. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, when I saw that the movie made six million dollars on Thursday previews, and then I was like, "Well, that can't be good because Captain Marvel made twenty point four million on Thursday oh. previews." So this is like, oh my god. So, way off. Um, the good news ish. It debuted on Rotten Tomatoes with a 54% Rotten score. That went up to 62%. That's, okay. I was like, that's the good news? No, no, no. no. <laughs> okay, yeah, 62. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess. That's so, 
grass and straws. I know, but the last the last thing that movie needs on top of everything is like, yo, look, it's also rotten. Right. Uh, so at least it's fresh. So I mean, got better okay. reviews than Ant Man and the Lost Quantum Media. Better reviews than Eternals. So okay. it's not in the it's not in the rotten club. Uh, it has an eighty four percent audience score, which I think is still kind of too low for this movie. Um, it's okay. not bad. Uh, it got a B cinema score though, which is on the low end of MCU uh, right. movies. Um, I feel bad for Nia DaCosta because she's a good filmmaker. I like the stuff that she's. Uh, I like. I love Little Woods, and I thought she did a decent job with the Candyman, uh, a spiritual remake, right. <laughs> as Charlie Peel called it. Uh, but what sucks when like you have failures like this, that is how they're gonna kind of label her. I think that's being attached to a failure like this, and that's not fair. Right. And think. it's unfortunate because I'm sure this is not really a Nia DaCosta movie. If you get down to, she's even know. said that, like, you know, yeah, like, exactly. Well, she kind of she fucked off to the UK to, to start another movie. Did she not? Like two, with two months of production left, or what? What's the story there? I well, read she a did. Bit about she, that. she said that's true that they she did do that, but like she, they, uh, Disney Marvel knew that she had a prior engagement to make this other film, and okay. when they and then when they changed the release dates for the Marvels, and they were like, oh, we need to work ah. on this this in post production. She was like available for one release date change, and then available for another one. But they're like, "Hey, I'm con- I'm I have a contract to work on this other film. So if right. it goes beyond this, then I have to go do that." I and okay. she said, "So some post production stuff was done remotely. I don't even know how <laughs> you can really do that." Uh, but she didn't abandon the movie. But she did admit that, right. like, you know, making the Marvels like this is a Kevin Feige movie. Like it's exactly, a of, it's a lot it of matter stuff who's. Names on the movie, it's really Kevin Feige and Marvel execs yeah. for sure. It, it comes, yeah, it, all that comes from the top. So, like, I, I get what I don't, but I don't want to blame her. And I think, I hope, I haven't mm-hmm. seen that narrative yet, but that can really happen, especially with women and especially with women of color directing movies. That is why right. I don't want that narrative to be spun that way. I really don't blame Nia DaCosta much for anything that this movie is getting dragged for. Um, and it's unfortunate that it does go that way. I think it's really, I'm interested to see like how Marvel like really accepts this loss and where they choose to channel their blame, if at all, or yeah. unless they just kind of close the door and, and just like, have like a yeah, meeting. Let, it, let it go. <laughs> right. Um, but definitely I don't think Nia DaCosta's fault. I think this really, the, the circumstances around this movie were its own biggest uh, enemy. And it this really could have happened with anybody in the director's chair. Like, you know, yeah. it had a lot going against it. What with delays, um, a bunch of drama on set. I heard this is a lot older now, but you know, delays, reshoots, this yeah. you know actors not even really being able to promote the film a whole lot like this was bound to happen for yeah, whoever i think it was like a perfect storm of everything and i think it, the, it, what, yes and i think the one narrative that they will fall on and blame and it's not a bad one to blame because it's true the sag strike did really fuck up promotion for the movie i mean i yeah. would, would it have moved the needle much more if you had like two months of the stars like really pimping the movie out i don't know but I, but I think that is a big factor when it comes to a movie like this that they it needs to be out there more. And I think this mm-hmm. movie also suffered, uh, you know, during the summer too. Like when you know Comic Con is a big uh, platform for these kind of movies, and because of the right. strikes, they couldn't they couldn't do anything there for it that uh, that could have promoted it. Um, I think that's a big reason why it didn't do well. And you know, I. I hate, I hate to start this too, but I've seen it online so much, and there's this, there is still this. It's not just Brie Larson now. There is still this kind of like deep seated shade, kind of like dislike for female led superhero movies. I and mm-hmm. I keep reading it and seeing it, and I think that has a lot to do with it. 
they're like I saw someone complaining about how like the movie was too much girl power and too female, and I was like, well, what the hell do you want it to be? Mm. It's it's three female superheroes like leading right. the movie. What else? What else would it be? Would it be is not promoting mm. that kind of like unity amongst you know. You know, right. that, is, that is what the movie is like them learning to work together and blah 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 blah. You know, like I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that narrative at all. I, it just seems a little a bit sexist because I've only seen dudes complain about this. Right. <laughs> and, I, uh, I honestly I haven't uh I probably have not on the same I'm not that uh, active on Twitter per se. I've seen not too much that I've heard if anything, I've heard a couple of people like praise Brie Larson as like uh, improving upon improved, the first yeah. one. Which is something yeah. I was surprised to hear about, um, but definitely I'm sure there are absolutely people that like just are gonna shit on it for being a female-led superhero. That being said, I think that there could be better-made female-led superheroes that might get more people on board with. But of course, there will always be those that will reject it instantly, for sure. Yeah. I myself haven't seen too much about that and was surprised to see that Brie Larson apparently is given a little bit more to do. Um, I, on that note, though, I'm curious if you think that do you think she'll be coming back for a third if that is well, uh, in the future uh, i don't do you even think a third will be made with this reception so have you thought about I that i don't think we're getting a third captain barbie that's just my opinion i don't know i don't guys i don't right. have any like insider information that's just it's speculating i yeah. i was trying to figure out should i i she signed a big multi-picture deal when she signed up for captain marvel right and i was trying to think of how many appearances she's made already i think she signed up for seven or eight movies and so if it's like it's captain marvel that's one then in game she mm-hmm. had a cameo in uh, Shang Chi, uh, and then she had another one on Ms. Marvel, uh, okay. which set up which set up the Marvels. So I think she has, if they want to like, you know, go buy her contract. I think she has a couple more. Okay, I can see her being in like a team up. I mean, if, if they do the little, little, well, I don't even know if they're doing the King Dynasty anymore. That was another story. I doubt today. it. That's, that's <laughs> that, like, yeah, that, that like that I'm writer that it. that writer of that movie alleges that like he was let go because they think they might be stepping away from that story. So I. But if, if if it's Secret Wars and it's kind of universe big kind of uh right you know Avengers movie, I think she's in that. I I think overall, despite what people say about her, I think she likes the character and she likes what um and the people she work, has worked with uh okay. doing it. Um but I don't think we're gonna get a third Captain Marvel movie. And you know what, you mentioned this here when we talked about that first trailer. Mm-hmm. And you were like, it doesn't really feel like a proper sequel to captain marvel and while, watch, and while watching it i felt the same way i is that right like, eh? i even though she has a lot of screen time and of course she's on she's in the movie a ton like she is, yes but it's clearly like a three-person led movie like one right person one person doesn't overshadow the other really and they all have their own like kind of character arcs and but it and it's not a diss on disney plus shows at all because i've liked some of them but it felt more like a TV show, then I've film. heard that as well. And- Levied a little bit more harshly <laughs> than you have, <laughs> but yeah, um, I do think that pivot to like having like a, the three leads as opposed to it just being a direct, you know, Captain Marvel two Brie Larson show, um, yeah. was sort of like in response to some of the negative criticism of her in the role from the first. If I am I crazy for suggesting that, I feel like that's probably where that that idea came from. Um, yeah. I don't know if it necessarily was the right call. It doesn't seem like. Although I've heard praise for how they, you know, the, the chemistry between the three leads, but yeah, they're very good. They're very good mm-hmm. together, but it doesn't feel like it's her movie. So I, I didn't know. Right. That, I was like, if it was the intention always to make it like this, like it, like to not really have it be like a proper sequel, but this is more like promoting these characters too. And like fully. And also too, I, they say that you don't need any prior knowledge of like WandaVision 
or Ms. Marvel. Hmm. I watched find that to be true. I, I watched WandaVision from start to finish, loved it. I still think it's the best of the other ones I watched. It's okay. the best of the Disney Plus Marvel shows. I had to really wreck my brain about where we left off with uh the Rambo character uh okay. on the show. And I was like, wait, I was like, wait, how did she, how did she get here? And blah blah blah. And like I was right. like really trying to wreck I had to ask my brother, like like like, hey, remind me of like where this left off because I couldn't remember. And then, of course huh. I didn't watch Ms. Marvel, right? And there, there is some kind of like while watching it, like it's not like it's gaping plot holes that you're missing, right? But you're feeling like you're missing some kind of dynamic because you didn't watch it. I would imagine so totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Secret Invasion probably would have benefited um, members who maybe who went to see this or they hadn't seen it might fill in some some gaps too. I hear there's a lot. It's very much a different tone uh, for like Samuel Jackson just coming off that series, right. and, and I guess a... part of that is because of like the reshuffling of the the release schedule. The schedules, but and yeah, because I, I, I guess like Mar- people. the Marvels was supposed to come out before that, right? Right. And then, uh, but there's no mention of what happens to him in Secret Invasion, which was a right. big deal. So, uh, so that is weird too. And I think they just kind of thought people would just mm-hmm. ignore it, but no, they didn't. No. So, um. Yeah, I know it probably sounds like I'm giving the movie like faint praise. I still have fun, and like it's not the worst MC movie, like, right? That that honor still goes to Thor: The Dark World. That hasn't changed. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, and but, but I, you know, yeah. but I do want more of those characters. Though I like the three girls, and I would like to see them in other projects. And I mean, I hope I, I hope they take what the good stuff they've heard about. Amon Vellani, which actually she was getting these reviews when she was on the show. Like they were saying how like infectious she was and how like charismatic mm-hmm. she was. They really liked her. And Tiona Paris is also really good. I would like to see more of them. It's just unfortunate that I mean its global opening was bad too. It was 110 million right. worldwide. And it like bombed in China. Like all these movies that usually do well <laughs> in those places. Like, so I I don't know. I feel like this is barely I think it feels like it how much I think the flash made like 108. 10 million here domestically and yeah, i feel like for Mar- a total run yeah domestically okay. yeah, yeah. yeah and i think the marvels is gonna be somewhere and i like i don't think the drop is gonna yeah i think it's gonna be a hearts drop i mean you have hunger games opening this weekend too right um, oh, oh, yeah i guess we did predict that i didn't even think about that sorry hunger games fans <laughs> out there uh, <laughs> we off the line we were talking about a much smaller horror film to predict for box office and I, I forgot, forgot all about that too i forgot hunger games was coming out as i was speaking about this now but um yeah, I think it's gonna drop like a crater. Unfortunately, it's like, unfortunately, I think so too. It's looking like it's slated for one of the uh, two hundred million dollar movie. That doesn't even oh. that doesn't even include. Well, Marvel. IMDb has it as two twenty, and then yeah, that's that's what oh, we really it, know it about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so definitely looks like gonna be another financial loss. Um, can only so, imagine this is going to lead to some sort of. You'd gotta imagine it would lead to some sort of uh, creative new direction or something Overhaul. definitely something's gonna have to change and i'm curious if anyone's gonna be on the chopping block when this is all said and done because it's too much now to ignore for yeah. disney marvel execs i think cracks, this cracks, was, the cracks are starting to show uh definitely <laughs> starting to show majorly. um and i know i said i said that i think the sag strike was a big reason why this didn't hit but like for you what do you think it is do you think it was a sag strike is it superhero fatigue marvel fatigue uh, just the I think all those are in the cauldron. Um, the Captain Marvel, like, you know, Brie Larson thing, too. Like, I guess there's a lot. <laughs> I think there are a lot. It's going to come, some probably outweigh more than others. I do think the SAG strike is um, probably, you know, you could throw that in there as a possible. I don't think that it would, this movie would have necessarily had like a complete 
box office takeover if they had another month of marketing or you know the actors out there promoting the movie i think it still would have done poorly because this seems to have been um predicted for a long long time um i think it's really just a perfect storm like you said i'm sure somebody will cover the production mess of this movie in the future because it really seemed to have everything going against it oh yeah we're gonna um, get like some big like expose like oh yeah <laughs> yeah they make for some good i know um another youtuber i follow does like a production hell sort of uh side series where he displays movies that had a really terrible production history yeah sure this is slated to be on that um but yeah i think overall too just another sign of superhero fatigue uh marvel oversaturation um so it's kind of and i'm totally in that camp i mean i haven't really followed them in a long time now and this is i think i've seen a lot of people too that i've seen defending marvel for a long time sort of give up with this movie online yeah, like, um, i think it's kind of like the straw that's breaking the camel's back and it's something that people yeah. have been defending for a while and not everyone feels that way but certainly i'm noticing more and more um yeah, so i think sure. with this whole uh scheduling reshuffling for next year after the strike being over i think it, that's the best thing that for them right now is just having one release and it's what in july now in july so some yeah. time off will probably be good and i think they're just saying uh, now that the writers aren't barred from creating new stories i think this is the time to sit back yeah. and craft a new way forward because it's and not honestly, working as it is right now and honestly if deadpool 3 is nearly as good as two and one that could be a good way to kind of get back yeah, in people's good true. graces with the mcu and uh and I, yeah i think that break is good now you're gonna now you're getting a bunch of them in 2025 but like i, mean, <laughs> yeah. I think the, i think the the break after this is wholly necessary, yeah, kind of necessary. to give people a little uh little time away make make you make you miss them a little bit perhaps it's <laughs> uh, too much know? of a good thing quote unquote uh is yeah. not necessarily a good thing and i think even for the most diehard mcu fans or superhero fans in general it's at that point where like we're having too much of this content right now and a break yeah. is needed um i definitely <laughs> echo that so yep you know what? I mean, what else do they say? You don't know what you got till it's gone. So maybe people feel that way too. Like, yeah, like, perhaps people maybe maybe give away. them a chance to actually miss yeah. the content. I know, I know you won't for sure because you're like, <laughs> uh, you've been you've been <laughs> no, like, you've been on the. <laughs> I'm I'm like, excited for like like Matt Reeves Batman too. Like, give me some of that stuff. I I still I'm not necessarily yeah. anti superhero movie, but sort of this and uh direction of it, absolutely. But who knows? Yeah. We'll see what what's to come. I'm still I still have hope for the blade movie whenever that and if ever that ever and comes out so rated R, please. if it's rated r you know mahershal ali in the lead if it's anything like the 90s blade movies yeah. sign me up i'm excited for that but yeah i definitely need uh, a break too uh there's one quick little story i didn't tell you about before we got on here that i wanted to bring up to you only because yeah. we talked about his movie mother that was part of my uh, oh my god I to, yes i had to i had to revisit mother uh darren Aronofsky's, uh movie and you know, it was good for us because it made his name trend on Friday. Yeah, um, I want to know how you feel about him directing an Elon Musk biopic for A24. Because there were so many, I was like, oh, he's a good director. And I was like, I love that studio. Yes. I thought on this, though, is that like, I can't stand Elon Musk. So I was like, I don't really know if I would want to see a movie about him. Um, Fair enough. But it, it is based on... Uh, Walter Isaacson, authorized biography of him. He also did the biography about Steve Jobs that was turned to a movie uh, with Michael Fassbender. Um, I also I my, movie, other by the way. My, my other thought too was a lot of people in Hollywood can't stand Elon Musk, so I don't even know who they would cast 
Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking my first my first thought after I heard this news was where who do you cast as Elon Musk? If he was like 15 or 20 years younger, I would say Mads Mickelson would be an excellent oh, Elon yeah. Musk. He's just a little bit too old, I think, to be playing yeah. if they're going to go the younger route. Um, on paper, I really like this because I love a biopic, some of my favorite the categories of movies. I love Darren Aronofsky as previously established. A24 rarely misses for me. I love a vast majority of their movies. So that is a winning formula for me. I'm on the same page though with you, Elon Musk, like definitely an interesting and entertaining figure to follow, like in, in just like pop culture. And definitely, yeah. I think a staple sort of person in today's society. I think he has a, an origin story worth seeing in film. Absolutely. I don't know if that's now right now, but um, time will tell. I think that is honestly slated to be a pretty decent picture. Um, don't, I guess there'll have to be some more, I'd be interested yeah. to see, for instance, who they cast as him before I really get all on board. But I like this right now. I, I, think, I think it's got to be an unknown because, like, everyone yeah. I know, like, Agreed. so many people I know can't stand him. I mean, I, it's, I, I can't imagine like an actor who can't stand him wanting to play him. So I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> unlikable characters or people have been, have been <laughs> good roles before. So. Yeah. I guess we'll see, but I think an unknown would be a good way to go about this, especially depending on how early in his life they want to tell this story. But I yeah. think it's good. I, Aronofsky, I don't know if I would have necessarily lined him up as the director of this. I, I would have like, a biopic, I, though, so. I was like, oh, this is your next pro- right, well. <laughs> I mean, maybe it'll be interesting. You know, who knows? I'm interested. Did you see the writer of the Steve Jobs movie is doing the script? Is that what you uh, said? Well, I, well, no, it's based on... Uh, like uh the book uh like the guy who wrote the book about Steve Jobs that was adapted into a movie right uh, okay yes which I love got, that so, yeah 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 so I mean well, at least the the source material is probably good now um, if Aaron Sorkin writes the script for this one that would be oh, then, then, that, that would <laughs> then go, it would be no, a home run that would go that would go a long way to uh, make me yes. want to watch it actually um but yeah I wanted to see what you thought about that because uh, I saw that and I was like well that's perfect timing based on him being a subject of our two-year anniversary episode but right uh, no like, no i i'm i guess as of where it stands right now i'm excited just enjoying the talent that's on board but uh, i guess time will tell how it really is all shaping up but on paper i think it sounds yeah. all right you what what's your consensus though like not so much just because you're not, not really, an elon musk fan i'm not, or, I'm not a big elon musk yeah. fan but i mean i guess i would have to hear more and you know see where they go with like a writer and right. uh casting and all that but I'll, I'll keep an open mind. I'll wait, okay. I'll wait and on. see uh, what else we about it. Um, and yes, guys, we'll, we, we will do uh, box office predictions. I know we'll be having it in a little bit uh, at the end of the episode. It'll be, it's perfect because it's going to be for a horror film. And the topic of our anniversary episode is a horror film as well. So it'll be a nice yes. little segue. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but today uh, we are celebrating the 35th anniversary of 1988's Child's Play. Uh, directed by Tom Holland, who also did Fright Night, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, nice. Uh, from a screenplay he co-wrote with Don Mancini, uh, Mancini and John Lafia, and based on a story by Mancini, is the first film in the Child's Play series and the first installment to feature the character Chucky. It mm-hmm. stars Catherine Hicks, uh, Chris Sarandon, Alex Vincent, and Brad Dourif as Chucky. Its plot follows a widowed mother who gives a doll to her son, unaware that the doll is possessed by the soul of a serial killer. Uh, when it was released on November 9th, 1988, it was an immediate hit with critics and audiences, grossing $44 million against a production budget of $9 million. 
Um, okay. It, it also gained a huge cult following uh, on top of being a huge, uh, being a decent-sized box office hit, and it spawned uh, a, a, a series of seven sequels, one of them being a television series, merchandise, comic books, and a reboot film of the same name that came out in 2019. Um, and Chucky is a horror icon as well, probably up there with uh, Jason and the Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger. I mean, he is... Uh, Underrated compared to them, for sure. Yeah, um, and I watched it again uh, for this. I watched it today, uh, so yep, it's fresh, fresh in my brain. And um, it, it's it's I there I like more about it every time I watch every it. Every time, yeah. This is my <laughs> second watch of it. What about you? How many times have you seen? Oh, I've seen I've seen this I've seen this so many times. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. like, it, it, it was like a staple growing up because nice. Also, but also when I was like kind of afraid of because like I used to have when I was a kid. There was this thing called a My Buddy doll, and it kind of looks like uh, is okay. Chucky. Yeah, it was a Hasbro toy line. Oh, I know it, that much, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and that made me want to throw it in the trash after I, I saw bet. the movie. Is it in, in uh, all in any way sort of like? Does it physically resemble Chucky? Do you think it's, it's like a like, ripoff kinda, or? It, it, no, it kind it kind of has the same like kind of vibe and look. So it's like it's, okay, that, I'm looking so it I can up. See why some children would be like, oh, like this is too similar to like this toy that's sitting in my doll that's sitting in my room. And, and yeah, so they have the My Buddy doll for boys and the okay. Kid Sister doll for girls. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, okay, I can see some resemblance. I, I guess if you had one, I would definitely be looking at that and wonder yeah. if it was going to come to life <laughs> if I had seen Chucky <laughs> as, as a kid. Um, um, but yeah, I, I did read too on IMDb that <clears throat> they were sort of uh, associated with each other. But my experience with like Chucky growing up was definitely not – I couldn't – I wouldn't have told you growing up as a kid that like Child's Play was a name – of like the movie series yeah, that Chucky was Chucky, from, because right? like when I was growing up, like we were, we got that big string of, and I don't really know how the other movies are perceived. I'm gonna guess probably poorly, but like Chucky was a well-established like slasher series by the time that I had ever learned about him. Far yeah. Cry, from what I think the first movie is, uh, which I really like, I'd only seen it for the first time like within the last year, and I'm kind of kicking myself for not using Letterbox uh, earlier than I have because it's great for documenting when I'd seen something. Yeah. But, yeah. Saw it for the first time, like within the last year, and really liked it. And it was, I was shocked because it was not at all how I had perceived the Chucky series, like after like the 2000s. You know what I mean? It's like more, it's like more serious than, I mean, it's, yeah, it kind exactly. of, it's a stand -up it le yeah, it leans less into the comedy than the sequels, right. uh, and the show have done, uh, which some people love. Um, I think there is an audience where, I mean, I don't mind definitely that, I don't mind that it gets more ridiculous, but I do prefer that, um, like on paper, it sounds like such a ridiculous plot, <laughs> yes, but it does. but they sell it in such a and they take it seriously in a way that's not pretentious, but like it's mm -hmm. handled so realistically that it like somehow works, like it works Absolutely like really works. really well, definitely. Um, but on paper, that sounds like a, that was like that sounds strange, <laughs> especially for <laughs> like, the time where that wasn't really like the norm. I guess like now it seems like dolls like dolls that are alive or like a horror movie staple but i'm i'm not sure if that was the thing in 1988 yeah um don mason said that he when he wrote it he was really he wants to kind of speak on the whole kind of like commercialism involved like with marketing the children and like all that kind of mm. stuff so his original script for child's play is a lot darker than what we got oh that's um, a shame so his his original script uh uh, the mom, for instance, was she worked for the company that produced the good guy doll. So she was more like uh, be, her being a figurehead of it made it more, I guess, you know, made that character a bit more interesting, too, because like, you know, she's responsible for this uh, 
thing getting out there. Uh, right. The original the original title was uh, "Batteries Not Included," but uh, mm. Steven Spielberg was developing a movie of the same name at the at the time, so they changed it to "Blood Buddy," and then they eventually got to uh, uh, the Child's Play. The "Blood right. Buddy" title, because in the original script, the doll was so realistic that it it had like synthetic blood, so if you hurt the doll too much, it would actually bleed. Okay. So, uh, so Andy and the doll, and it's kind of like Andy doing this kind of like playful ritual with the doll. Um, you know, does a whole like you know, cutting your thumb and then cutting the doll's thumb and like you no, know, they're friends forever kind of thing. Like, oh, okay, bo- bonded through this brotherhood of blood, and this the doll because of that awakens and is evil. And the doll was actually killing people that Andy had like this kind of misplaced kind of rage for. Okay. So like you know how you so you know if you're a kid you're like oh like my mom really made me angry. You don't, right. want, you don't want her. You don't want her to die. But like right. the doll would, the doll would take Andy's rage and then like go out and take kill it out the on people these people. That, okay. People. Yeah. So the, that that was much dark, and it, it really toyed with the idea of making you think Andy might be doing it and not the doll. Right. Which um, I would love that plot. Well, I mean, it's touched on, I guess, in in the movie that we get. Yeah, they but, do kind of. Yeah, but not in like as much detail, right? I mean, right. Kinda, which I would have liked I mean, that thread a lot. Yeah. Um, I think John Lafia when he came on as on to rewrite it and then Tom Holland changed a lot of it. Let's throw in the voodoo thing and then have it be like there's a serial killer that, you know, the last ditch effort to save his life, you know, mm-hmm. transfers his soul into the body of the doll. Uh, they made the mother a single mom, who, uh, which I think actually plays out better that because they don't because they don't really speak on. Andy's issues, but you kind of like are just reading in between the lines that she's a struggling single mother. Uh, he, you know, he's lost his father. That would that would make him kind of detached and like or have a very vivid imagination to make something like this. Up. Right. And we also don't see Andy with any kids, so I don't know if you know if Andy has friends. So like I just point. so like you know, I think the whole angle of like it being hard on her, like you know, taking care of him during this kind of transitional period, and also not making a ton of money she's not rich you know the whole the whole reason she even gets the good guy dog because she buys it from a fucking peddler on the street right. <laughs> and, it's honestly and, a contrast to the artist <laughs> very, right. you know, very yeah um but i think those changes actually do work out a bit better i mean i would have the blood buddy idea does sound interesting though uh right and, but i think this angle works too and um i the whole time I was watching it today, like it, yeah, the Chucky character is funny, but like right. it's funny because like it's a foul, it's foul mouth is coming out yes. of this like little thing, right? But the concept itself is still pretty, pretty dark freaky. too, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, I, I, I was just still like when I'm watching it, I was like, I can't believe this works. Like that's like the whole time I was watching it today, I was like, oh, from start to finish, it really does work, and it's a pretty short movie and does a lot in a very it, it short does. amount of time. Um. But yeah, like, what were your kind of thoughts on like when you're rewatching it for this, and like, did it get better for you? Uh, yeah, I'd around? say enjoyed it probably just as much as I did um, a year ago or so, whenever I'd seen it for the first time. I think I had since seen Tom Holland's previous movie, Fright Night, before this, so that came out yeah. three years before Child's Play. And honestly, for all intents and purposes, they're very similar movies. I really enjoyed Fright Night as well. I think they're both helmed. Like he tells a story in a way where everything within the universe of the movie is taken very literally and seriously, even though the premise is kind of ridiculous, like within both movies. Um, And you have this central character who is aware of what's going on and can't get anybody 
to sympathize and realize what this person's saying is true. So like a lot of similar themes, both in Child's Play and Fright Night that way, which kind of helped me relate to it and sort of get a, a taste for how Tom Holland is as a director. Um, right. I think I liked it more, like I guess seeing his, how else he handled movies, like with watching Fright Night in October. I don't think I really got the chance to talk much about it on the yeah. show, but yeah. Um, I think a huge part that makes this movie a winner too is Brad Dorif as Charles Lee Ray. He's yep. like one of those chameleon actors who I keep like discovering he's in these movies that I've seen before, like before I really knew him like as an actor. Cause like first exposure was him. And I can't remember the character that he plays in one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Is it Billy? I believe. Yeah. I believe it's yeah, Billy. he, so I had seen him in cuckoo's nest like for years and years and seen it many times before I really noticed him in anything else. And I was just blown away seeing him in other movies after that role and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Cause he is like a chameleon. He just disappears into his roles. Like, and yeah. it, I think it's very, very underrated as an actor. So he is incredible in his little role in this movie too. I really like what he's able to do, even just his voice work. Cause it's, it's him That's as the doll's voice too. Right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So uh, the interesting thing about Brad Dwarf in this movie is he gets gets the call, gets cast. You know, you're in, you'll be in this opening scene as Charles E. Ray, the serial killer. You die, right. and then uh, of course, you know, your that character soul gets transferred to the doll. Um, I guess when the cast did rehearsal, uh, Brad Dwarf Dwarf was there for all their rehearsal scenes. So they were like, so they could feed off his lines right. and learn like what he would sound like. And then on set, they had his voice recorded on set for the line. So the right. actress could play off of that. Now there was a brief discussion to change that before the movie came out and like to have someone dub over uh, his voice. And they were like, we don't know why that was uh, <laughs> that was in the cars. But then, mm -hmm. then Mancini said that, the voice that they got, he's like, there is a, there's footage out there where Chucky sounds like a little feminine. It was like the wrong voice. I don't, I don't okay. even know why we, he's like, I don't even know why. <laughs> why we, this movie. Yeah. He's like, I don't know why we did it. And then they called him back to do ADR to just, you know, yeah, you are the voice of the doll. And uh, Brad Dwarf said like for a while, he felt so detached from it. Cause he's like, I'm not Chucky. You know, he's like, right. I'm not in physically in the movie other than the beginning. And right. it wasn't until, you know, probably until he started doing the sequels and all that, that he saw how links he was to that part and how, because right. uh, it's great voice work. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, the first time you actually hear his actual voice is, you know, when she threatens to throw him in the fire and like, it's so, <laughs> it, yeah. it's so, it's so jarring and like, of course they have him say like almost every curse word no i was like <laughs> laughing my ass off of that scene i find it like i don't find it's like a bad comical like for a horror movie like you shouldn't be laughing it comes out of nowhere like, but <laughs> it's just so unintentionally funny but in like a good way i was yeah. dying i love his reveal too that whole reveal scene where she sees the batteries fall out of the box and oh she, so like, yeah it's starting to piece is... it together oh my god so that, that scene, scene still i mean when i was a kid it used to like freak me out i don't get scared by it anymore but it's so well done so well done like, yes because you know this whole movie like you know hey chucky isn't real telling your son she thinks something's wrong with her son like now he's being held uh, like basically you know so they can like see what's wrong with him like medically you know something wrong with his brain like his mind or like is he losing it she thinks she might right. lose her son and then the batteries fall off the box and she's just like fuck this thing has been like talking <laughs> this whole time <laughs> right. Possibly without the batteries in it, but you know sometimes those things could have the batteries included in the doll right. already. So, but when she flips the back open and his head does like that whole like 
does a 180. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, such a well done, like probably one of the best horror movie scenes. I oh, think. absolutely. Like, like, and I don't feel like he gets enough love. It's really an awesome sequence. And the fact that, you know, he could have easily revealed himself properly there and that he's just toying with her at that point right. <laughs> doing that. I just think it's, I, I just love that's probably the best scene in the movie actually i like, completely agree. whole build up yeah. but i do agree like that when you first hear his voice it is comical but not in a, like a it's taking you out the movie it's just no so it's just a lot <laughs> him as a character is just funny yeah listen to this little like ch- child like doll like swear yeah. this girl call her all these names under the sun it's <laughs> yeah. kind of funny you don't expect it to be but um the work that they did to make I know that they blended a lot of different techniques to like get, to make Chucky happen. Exactly. Yeah. But like the animatronic work at least is like I say Mount Rushmore of horror movie special effects. If you yeah, ask me, I agree. like put it up there. It looked fantastic. The melted Chucky sequence after he's comes back to life after being uh, put on fire, like that just yeah. looks incredible. Like the animatronics after he gets decapitated, like just the makeup and special effects team did a fantastic job. And one of the things I remember being most impressed with after seeing it the first time, I, it's not something that I really considered about Chucky. Like the, all the imagery I would have seen of him growing up was like the, the nineties and two thousands ones where it was just kind right, of more right. like, well, that, like, like all messed up and all that too. Like, like, exactly. I, guess like I guess like the starting with like Bride of Chucky and all, like, right. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. It is great work. Uh, Kevin Yeager, uh, did i guess the the stuff for chucky at least uh designed uh he, he actually ended up marrying Catherine Dix, who plays uh andy's right. mother uh, yes. they've been they, they are still together so i think that's a fun little story about how they met yeah on because i think on one of the special features they're like it's like yeah through all this like blood and mayhem and murder like two mm. people found love and i thought yeah. that was really <laughs> really uh sweet story I read too um, that Kevin Yeager and uh, Brad Dwarf hadn't met until like 2018. 2018, <laughs> even though they both created Crazy. created this like yeah. together created this iconic thing, and like they never got to meet each other until way late in the in Super, the game, which I think is yeah. pretty interesting too. Uh, but yeah, Chucky is a combination of animatronics. Uh, sometimes they use a little person actor to uh, do some scenes. I think that where he's one definitely when he's set on fire. Definitely, there's, yeah. another, there's another one where he drops down from the chimney when he breaks back into the house to go after Andy. Uh, that's another uh, scene with uh, a little actor, and, and okay. then so and then someone he's like walking down the halls. They just they said they made like the rooms of the house like thirty percent larger, so it would look like uh, movie magic, yeah. baby. Movie magic, I know. <laughs> that's awesome. So, it, so it's a combination of a lot of things that made right. it work, and it all is pretty seamless too. I yeah, guess. exactly. You never know. I didn't know it was only after watching and reading uh, about the movie afterwards that I'd realized that uh, little people were used to capture yeah. Chucky. I was like, that I, you can't even really tell. At all. Uh, no, yeah, very impressive. Really good, really good work. Um, I want to ask you, because, you know, a lot of little kids, I think, like, you know, we talked about Daniel Harris and, like, Halloween 4 and how we were like, she's very good for, uh, yes. for uh, as young as she was. Um I, I used to I, I well I used to think I used to think differently about Alex Vincent when I was in past viewings of it where I was like oh I don't, I don't know if this kid's that good I mm. felt differently this time that okay there was some stuff that I thought that he handled really well and then I was like well he's supposed to be six so and he like, is it's actually like, six yeah he's six <laughs> years old filming, yeah. yeah which is crazy so like, so like there is this like he you know this childlike kind of innocence that you know that you get when and kind of it not being too polished when you're that right. young. That maybe I judged him too harshly in past viewings of it, but I right. do want to ask you what you thought of him as any. 
Well, so I was reflecting on this while watching because I was getting a little bit annoyed at his line delivery. It was just very whiny. Like every, I just felt like kids don't actually talk like that. So it came across as like an actual child reciting lines, which is obviously what is going on. <laughs> that being said, I think the actual Alex Vincent for a six-year-old and having as much screen time as he did in this movie did a great job. Like I, I don't even think they would really bother getting six-year-olds to like actually speak that many lines in a movie like in, yeah. in this day and age. So he, I don't really have a gripe with him. Like as a child actor, he does a, a good job, but I wish the character had been written as older because I found just by nature of it being kind of like a whiny toddler because he's very youthful looking even as a six-year-old. Well, how much Nothing. older would you have made him? Like eight to 10, even a couple of eight years ago, oh, okay, a okay, big okay. difference. And then you get like, there's a scene where he travels by train into the like the dark side of the bad side of in town. Chicago. No one, yeah, exactly. No one's batting an eye. So this is clearly a, He's like like a, a kindergarten all, yeah. age kid. So I think that would have been not that I like was thinking about that today like, too when I was watching yeah. it. I was like, how is I was like, grown people can't get through Chicago like that. Exactly. <laughs> so like that would have just made it a little bit easier to digest. But again, like yeah, I was kind of annoyed at some lines that he would deliver. Like I won't for the sake of the audience like try and recite any myself, but that whiny sort of delivery that Alex Vincent had just by nature of him being a six year old kind of got under my skin a little bit, but it's not really his fault. Yeah. I just wish maybe the character had been written a little older, but it, I guess well, it makes not like you have 10 year olds walking around with life-size dolls. So maybe that's, that's you know, something to consider. Well, apparently his, uh, apparently his audition scene was the scene where he has to say, <laughs> Chucky said that aunt Maggie was a real bitch. She got what she deserved. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. You're coming out of the kid's mouth. Yeah. You know? um, I still like, I mean, cause I, when I'm watching that scene today and he says it so innocently too, mm. um, but I also, and the other part of my brain is like, imagining chucky telling him that <laughs> like, yeah, and, right. and how like funny that would be um but yeah he said that was his audition scene and he felt really weird about saying bitch and didn't want to say it and kept stopping before <laughs> and then like and they were like Kinda okay he kept, he kept saying he kept saying that he forgot the line and right like, okay we'll do it again and he kept saying he forgot it and then it came back i think it was like a third or fourth time and he was like i just don't know i'm really scared about saying it and then they were like, oh, like we really thought you forgot the line. And then they were like, well, this kid's good. <laughs> if he can make us think that he just forgot the line. It's um, true that. Um, and I also thought it was interesting too that Catherine Hicks, who uh, people, if they don't know her from this, they know her as the mom from Seventh Heaven. Um, oh my God, you're right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, she, she was not a mom at the time when she made the movie. Huh. And uh, she said that. Uh, it took a little bit to bond with him, uh, and they, the day, and she said, thankfully during the rehearsal process is when they clicked. But she didn't know how to really act with kids, and I think he could kind of pick out up from her that she didn't really know how to act with kids okay. uh, in general. And I, they said that it was either uh, his his actual mom basically went up to her and this was like this gave her this like little locket or something it was like, hey, like give them him, give them this and say it's from you, and like you know it's a gift from like you to him, and. That is what changed things, I guess. Where they, she was like, "Hey, you can have this thing." And I guess he actually, to this day, still has it. Okay. Um, and but after that is when they, by the time they started shooting the actual movie, is they were completely in sync by then. But she, oh, yeah. like, I thought she, she was very convincing as a mother uh, figure. Yeah. I think that uh, I'm glad they changed that because I think that is what makes that relationship work. Is that she's trying so hard to please her kid, and like, and and this is a lot of the stuff that's going on there is like, you're kind of uh, assuming it in your own mind that, you know, she's 
you know, she's re- she's widowed and he, the dad, right. you know, you know, not alive anymore. And like, this has been hard on both of them. So there's a lot of stuff that you're putting together in your brain as to why this would be a very difficult situation for both of them. Right. And, and it's actually a pretty well-written relationship, I think. Oh, very um, much so. Yeah. There's that one scene where, uh, that I think actually works where she's like basically saying that you need to tell them the truth or they're going to take you away from me. Um, and then he has that whole thing with Chucky when he's like, see, like, if you don't, you have to say something, like, you have to sell, tell them what you said. And like, and they're all looking at him and then looking at her like, yeah, your kid's crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But it's also a really sad scene, too, because he's like, I think the kid also in that moment realizes that his best friend, his doll is evil and not, right. you know, is turning against him, you know? Right. So uh, I thought that was a very interesting uh their dynamic is really i thought good and for a movie that's only like an hour and 27 minutes like they are able to kind of really flesh out that relationship really well absolutely in a relatively short amount of time because you know the the first half is of course you know the you have the their relationship they have they have a lot of scenes together and then of course there's a lot of stuff with andy and chucky and then once he um they said we're gonna evaluate him for a couple of days then the movie kind of switches to her and then her, you know, figuring out what's going on, and then uh, I list. I love the way the way it's written that now she's in a position where she has to tell like the cop played by Chris Sarandon, like, "Hey, Chucky's alive." This is, and then the cop's like, "You're crazy, <laughs> <laughs> right?" Just like, just like your son. So now she's in exactly. a position where she's like, "No, I need you to believe me." And I love when the cop gets attacked, and he's kind of like, "All right, well, I, I know what you're saying is true now," because like. <laughs> He finally attacked me. Um, so yeah, I there's a lot of stuff in that I think that really works uh, as far as the script is really tight. I would say the script is very tight. I think an hour and twenty seven minutes is like the perfect length. I wish kind of more movies were aimed to be that length, especially horror movies. It's like the sweet spot. Um, yeah, want to say too, Chris Sarandon is a standout. Uh, recognized him right away from um, his previous collaboration with Tom Holland on Fright Night, where he plays like the lead vampire. I can't remember. His name, but he's definitely in a in a more of a heroic role this time around. Um, but he was yeah. a great actor because I don't think I know him from much else besides these two movies that he's worked with Tom Holland on. But I liked him very much in both. Um, yeah. <clears throat> great, great presence. That I think him and Catherine Hicks are really like the strong points too of this movie, like acting wise. Um, they I guess get the most to do, and obviously uh, Brad Dorif too as as Chucky, but he's more relegated to like a voice role, but he is just as much a presence in there as any other actor that you see on screen. That's for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, I wanted to, I found one itty piece of information too, that I thought was worth sharing about uh, just yeah. taking into consideration how young um, Alex Vincent really was on set, of, I guess, because there was a scene where he has, uh, after he's like kind of locked up and being evaluated, there he's like you can tell that he's genuinely crying out of like fear um when he's like locked in this room alone and he kind of sees chucky coming yeah Yeah. and so i had read that in order to actually um the filmmakers to get alex vincent to actually cry they're quoted as saying telling him alex think of sad things think about your parents dying which is (laughs) horrible to tell like to make a little child think about that and like so it makes you seem like those tears are very much genuine so i guess that that's actually really his, worked his best scene too is that yeah he's like where he's saying like oh chucky's gonna come in to kill me and he's like right. sliding on the door cr- yeah that's his you best can tell moment. that he's genuinely <laughs> terrified and yeah, yeah. I agree and that well, that's why that's where those tears came from because the filmmakers making him picture those things but <clears throat> yeah very well acted especially for you know at his age 
yeah, I, I really, yeah, that's his best moment. And I did not know that actually that they did that. <laughs> well, so there it seems you go. Like a cruel, such a cruel thing to do. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's hilarious, actually. There's the um, 80s for you. I also love the like build up to uh, you not really seeing Chucky do anything until right the until the sub with the mom when she threatens to throw him in the fire. Like, right, uh, it's all kind of camera angles and his POV and like the the scene with uh, Maggie, uh, the first. Well, I guess I'm the first character to die, but like she, uh, you know, the whole like Andy go to bed, you know, put the doll away, and, and right. he's all like, you know, like Chucky wants to watch the nine o'clock news, all that, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that was funny. That, that whole buildup of like, you know, that, you know, they're putting going off to bed, and then she thinks that, you know, Andy's away now, like Andy's in bed with the doll, and then the TV just comes on, and it's the mm. news again, and the doll is just like sitting <laughs> in the room, and you know, you try to think as a character, like, what is she thinking? Of course, she just thinks Andy. It's fucking right. around, but I, I just love that you don't really see anything really. That it's him, so which it's ambiguous. Which, at its ambiguous time. Which, yeah, yeah, which is why you know I, that angle of like, oh, let's make the audience think it could be Andy would have been really uh, interesting to play with. Like, hearing um, that, I, I really wish they kind of like led more into that. Honestly, yeah, um, but yeah, those those early that early scene that there's just so much tension in that scene and it works really well. Mm. Um, and I, I just love like the subtle things they do. Like at the at the start of that scene when the news is on and they're talking about Eddie Caputo, and then he just turns his head right. and starts looking at the TV, or and then the eyes kind of like shift. Right. Like it's just knowing that, like, you know, there's this man in there that's like, you know, <laughs> very right. very curious about where he can find the asshole that like dished him in the getaway car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I like too, because I don't I don't imagine this was very popular at the time, but for the audience to really be aware and in on something that the characters don't know about, that being that we know from early on that Chucky's soul is in the doll, where I think like right. more movies of its time would have like had that be like the twist at the end and right. have the character try and solve this the entire movie. I, I like that it's sort of flipped and we know this from the get-go and it's really we're waiting for the characters to figure this out. Um, but yeah. I think this really adds to the enjoyment of the movie too, and seems like probably not that common at the time. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm a friend that thinks like the voodoo stuff angle is kind of cheesy and takes him out. But I don't know what other way. I mean, other than the original idea that he had for the movie, that, I mean, I don't know which one sounds more ridiculous. <laughs> uh, it's the dog bleeding synthetic blood, and that happens to have this supernatural like uh, mm. event that awakens the doll, or. I felt like the voodoo thing was an easy explanation. Like, yeah, this is why this. It's obscure it. enough that, oh, maybe it'll work. And like, and honestly, it makes you believe that this serial killer would kind of dabble in some kind of black magic, maybe, and be mm. interested in it, in it. I think it does. I think it's fine. I don't think it. I think, it, yeah. Um, as far as like, you know, supernatural explanations go, I think that one works just fine. I had now, no problems with it. Now, why, why homie would keep a, a voodoo doll of him? himself, himself. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah i don't i understand that but even that scene really works too it's just so like watching him just break the dude's legs and oh yeah uh, yeah it's so pretty great. nasty stuff and i love when he just realizes that like uh we realize who he can like put his soul into now and he's just like he's like oh, the first person i told this to was a six-year-old kid <laughs> he's like, <laughs> yeah. he's, like I'm gonna, he's like i'm gonna be six years old again <laughs> like yeah what is another crazy. wild premise <laughs> yeah and the, yo, the implications of that happen like if he was able to get that to work, mm. and he would just be a missing child serial killer, I guess, at this point. That, that that's also pretty, pretty frightening. Um also another complaint, I've heard this a lot, and I'm just gonna assume I've always assumed this to be the case. 
uh there's always people that are like man like the doll's so fucking little you just like kick it and like throw it around like right. how's it able how's it able to take down all these people i always assumed that the doll had man strength only because there's a doll of there's a guy's full-grown man inside the doll so right. i always thought that's why he was able that he was kind of strong and they weren't able to just like fling him around and like you know punt him if you will <laughs> right uh, then that just make it too easy to sort of work around so i i guess it's something which is one of those things i turn my brain off for and don't really get into the dynamic i guess the physics yeah. behind it but um <laughs> i i've i can see why people might have an issue with it but i mean you're, you're watching a movie about a killer doll like i mean you know, i don't think you gotta go too far into it to really think about how it's it, like one of those mechanics like, pick, work pick your battles kind of pick thing. your battles exactly <laughs> but never been an issue for me anyway yeah, I think it. Yeah, I just always like in my mind I was like, yeah, I think he. I think that's a great explanation, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah, I mean, if he's gonna have his like thoughts and memories and motivations, why not have his strength as well, right? You don't really need to have rules of this. Yeah. Now we know we like you like your horror films to have a bit more violence and gore and all that. There's not a ton, no. And that's not an issue for me though. Uh, Okay. All right. I was like, I was like, I, um, what, I was like, I was like, what score are you gonna give? Like the <laughs> the blood guts. Um, you get a lot. decent amount of the blood. It looks at least in the violence, like looks real, and I think it's adequate enough. I mean, it's an '80s movie, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think for you know it being of its era, I think it is fine with what it decides yeah. to show on screen. Never been an issue for me, and I think for what it does lack and sort of like blood and guts, I think it makes up for and like actually having an interesting and original and well-helmed story behind it so i'm yeah. definitely willing to forgive i wouldn't even really call it a, a gripe that i have with this movie but you're absolutely right though i do like my movies a little bit on the more disturbing side but and this i wouldn't even really consider it never i never saw it in an age where it could scare me so hard right. to like call it that but um <clears throat> it's just it's a good well-crafted movie and at the end of the day that's what i really like it for yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I think as a kid, it would definitely scare you if you were a child. Sure, um, definitely, and like the Chucky um, like TV spots I would have seen as like a six year old would have done yeah. that for me. Um, watching as, a, as an adult though, I still think it's a really well crafted horror movie. Agreed. Um, and I kind of wish, but I think because of the nature of like the character and how kind of ridiculous it could be over time, I think there was only one option, and that was to lean in more on comedy as the sequels mm. progress. Right. I don't know if you can make. I don't know if you can constantly make this concept serious every single time. Right. Um, so sure I get it. Right. Like so, like I like Child's Play too. It's a much different movie um, okay. than than this. Uh, and it's also kind of depressing because Andy ends up in like a foster home, like because they don't believe what the mom and all that from the original movie. Do they bring back uh, Catherine Hicks in the yeah, in the second one? No, just her uh. picture. You only get to see her picture, but uh, Alex Vixen Vitz is in it. Um, Brad uh, Dorf too, right? Yeah, the, uh, I think her name's Kathy Sullivan that plays his uh, foster sister. She's actually become a fan favorite. She's on the Chucky TV series as well. She oh, has okay. appeared on it. Cool. So there's stuff to like about it, but you when you like, I think you're like 15 minutes in where you're like, oh, this is gonna be more funny than uh, ah, see, serious. that I don't think would work for me. Yeah, and then Child's Play three is not good. Bride and Chucky was like kind of a rejuvenation of it, and yep. they, they went full silly, and they were like, you just accepted it. Right, what it was, and that's kind of and how I look at the Chucky movies, like growing up. That's how they've all gone, and that's how they've gone since then. How many and, are there? Do you think? Uh, so they said seven sequels have been made. And oh, a TV show. Uh, and the TV so, show started in 2019, did it? Yeah, yeah, and it's in season three right now. Actually, it will be, uh, it released the first half of season three 
and they're going to be filming the second half now that uh, the strikes are over. Okay. So, I mean, the character has remained popular uh, since 1988, and um, I've, I've oh, then there was the remake. So they get they 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 have the rights to remake the original movie, but couldn't do anything about the sequels. Uh, there was some issue with the ownership with like the first movie compared to like the other ones that were made. Uh-huh. Um, the reboot's not bad. I just, I mean, I, I'm not. Which was also from 2019, was it? Yeah, I believe so. So I thought like, they were coming out at the same time. I seem to remember that anyway. So it's like, you know, it, it, the sequel says a lot about like kind of the modern, like almost like AI uh, kind of uh, things kind of taking over, and it's oh, less okay. about like and like computers and like you know being taken over by like uh, stuff like that. So there, oh, okay. there's an interesting, there's an interesting angle there, but it's definitely not as good as uh, the original right. movie. Um, but Mark Hamill does the voice of Chucky, so that's oh fun. no way, that is <laughs> yeah. awesome, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, as a you know, as a standalone, just child's play on its own, uh, the 1988 movie is, I think, much a better lot than of it has fun. any right to yeah, be. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It really does, especially considering everything that came out after it. I kind of like compare it to Hellraiser in that sense, and I'm sure there are yeah. some good and bad Hellraiser sequels, mostly bad, but this seems to be up there as well. Um, but a really, really solid first movie, uh, first entry in the series, without a doubt. And like one that I plan on coming back to in the future, I'm sure several times. I really enjoy every minute of Child's Play. More, like you said, just more than it, better than it has any right to be. Yeah. Uh, and things didn't always look that great. So they said there was a test screening that they held for that got negative reviews after a two hour rough cut was shown to audiences at. Uh, and Kershaw and Mancini subsequently cut 25 minutes of the film to reduce the amount of time Chucky was on screen. Uh, something that Kershner had advocated for during production to build suspense in a similar fashion to Jaws or Alien. Holland repeatedly clashed with him over showing Chucky more. And hmm. uh, they've, and I think in the all run, showing him less. And I'm, guess, I'm guessing that what they meant is that you would have seen him a lot more probably in those initial like, you know, attack of like Maggie and all that stuff. He would have, it would have been right. more clear uh, that he was there. Um, they also think that the test screening flopped because of the person's the person that they used for the voice uh because it wasn't brad dwarf during the test screening oh, okay. uh, <laughs> uh, and they realized then that they need to get back to him and have brad rudolph do all the adr for chucky well um, actually just a fun <clears throat> another bringing it back to hellraiser i noticed that was something they did too the, the character of frank the monster isn't voiced by the same person who plays frank when he's yeah, not all I mean, up like that which i thought was inter- like you know just different and why not have the same actor play him with all the makeup Which on? Is that, and that guy, he he's actually in a bonus feature on the Hellraiser Blu-ray. And he said, you know, I wish they didn't do that, but, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. But he's like, what's interesting, though, is that they used my him doing it in a real American act because he appears in the second one in a, in a scene. Okay. And it's his actual voice, him doing a British actor doing an America's, American person's voice. I but see. they use his real voice in the sequel. So he thought, he's like, I, why didn't they do that? Yeah. In the first it, movie. I just um, think it's a weird thing to do. But yeah, it was. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that's really interesting, and like, I, I can't imagine anyone else doing the voice of Chucky, even though Mark no. Hamill was a adequate, you know, substitute. Yeah, that's a good he, person he, to pick. Too. He's a great voice actor too. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff with the Batman animated series with Joker and all that. Right. Like, he's a fantastic voice actor. But Brad Dourif gives Chucky so much personality. <laughs> yes, he does. That it, it's I wouldn't want that to be any other way. I don't no. think. Um. And then also, uh, Child's Play, uh, MGM made the controversial decision to not release the film during the Halloween season, and they moved the date 
to Veterans Day weekend. Um, that was, I guess, a bone of contention with the people that made it because they were like, hey, this will sell better over This is a Halloween. Halloween. Yes, through and through. But they said the film was heavily promoted for three weeks before release through television spots, emphasizing audience reactions directed towards 12 to 20-year-olds and intended to position Chucky as a new terror icon. And when the film was finally released, it opened at number one, uh, grossing $6.5 million. That is like, that's like a number one opening. It's so weird to get figures like that from the 80s. They're like, oh, that's a hit. <laughs> yeah, totally. Far cry from what we get now. But um, and yeah, for a budget yeah. of like pretty much the same, right? Yeah. And so, budget was $9 million and it ended up, nine? Making, 40, okay. ended up making $44.1 million worldwide. And it was United Artists, because uh, they made the movie in uh, – conjunction with MGM. It was their second highest grossing film in 1988 after Rain Man. So that's a... Oh, that's okay. Good for Behind them. the Best Picture winner. That's pretty good company. <laughs> yeah. And um, it has a 73% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and, wow, interesting. Cinema Score ISIS gave it a B when it first came out. Okay. Uh, which is you know, not bad. Roger Eber liked it. I saw that, right? Uh, <laughs> normally, this, I think he would not go near something like this, but what did he yeah. have just anything in particular to he say? Do you have his review in front of you or no? He just he called it a cheerfully energetic horror film and he praised the script and how intelligent the uh, screenplay was. Uh, and, you know, it's not really like, it's, not, it's not like a lot of gore or anything, so you know, he probably was happy about that, exactly. Yes, uh, um, the New York Times called it a clever, playful thriller. It said it's the deaf wit and swift editing that keeps us off guard, no matter how predictable the plot might get. And Variety said, uh, called the film a near miss. Uh, but Ooh. he commended Tom Holland's impressive technical skill and the actors for keeping straight faces during these outlandish proceedings. <laughs> yes, probably one <laughs> but, of the harder things to do in this movie. <laughs> uh, and Los Angeles Times called it scary yet darkly funny. Uh, this thriller of the supernatural from the director of the terrific Fright Night moves with the speed of a bullet train and with style to burn. Uh, one bad review came from the Chicago Tribune, gave it one out of four stars and wrote that it would probably be sickening if it weren't so relentlessly stupid. <laughs> Jesus. Was that maybe that was uh, Roger Ebert in disguise? <laughs> no, no, he, disguise just, right? he wrote for the Chicago <laughs> Tribune, didn't he? Tribune, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, um, there were um, some controversies. Um, a lot of people think that um, the film inspired uh, real life crimes. Um, hmm. I don't really agree with that. Yeah, I know <laughs> there was a little bit of a concern that this might inspire violence in children, right? When it was first coming out, there was a little bit of dialogue yeah. surrounding that. I think that's kind of also grasping at straws. But yeah. uh, what they, is there any more details there? Well, they think that it, it was really responsible and and uh, inciting violence within children. I guess there was one incident where uh, the these and during one of the murders, they recorded themselves saying, "Hi, I'm Chucky. Want to play?" Okay. <laughs> um, so that, to yeah, that. already on that. Uh, uh, Child's Play Three was cited as the inspiration for two murders, which took place in the United Kingdom in December 1992 and February 1993. Uh, the murder of Suzanne Caber and the murder of James Bulger. That's uh, as a six-year-old was forced to listen to recordings of the gang leader repeating that catchphrase over and over again. And Tom Holland said in response to both murders and defending the film, stating that viewers of horror movies could only be influenced by their content if they were unbalanced to begin with. I think that's a great explanation. And uh, probably very, explanation. very true. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I also, I'm not a big proponent of blaming film and Media? TV for Yeah, yeah no, for, me either. To an extent, I guess there might be examples in history that I might 
change my mind on, but definitely not in this case. Uh, yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I mean, that's sometimes I think it's reaching, and I think this one might be as well. Yeah, certainly. So the real question uh, is, um, are you Team Chucky or Annabelle? Who's your horror doll? Uh, who, who's the best? Oh, you think? Chucky for sure. At least Chucky has personality. Yeah. Yeah. Annabelle's a creepy. Annabelle's a creepy. Annabelle's a creepy image for sure. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely uh, Chucky. Yeah. And I don't He's know. Like, I mean, can you? It is like we mentioned it earlier, but like it's kind of funny to think that like he is up there with like the Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger. I think when you think of horror movie icons, you also throw him in there too. <laughs> I do for sure. I don't know that I think that he gets adequate representation as like a horror movie yeah. icon. Do you, do you agree or do you think that you see enough of him? I don't know that I see that he gets the love that I think he deserves. I think he's a very popular horror movie icon, but I don't but sometimes you don't but sometimes you don't hear him mentioned with the other ones. I'm thinking more like yeah. recent years. I think I've seen a lot of shows yeah. for Chucky as a as a horror villain, but he's and awesome. I think Two for some people, if they haven't seen the first child's play, there's an assumption that oh, this must be like a really at least even that first movie might be stupid, right? And you know, for those who haven't seen it, I know it came out in 1988, 35 years old, so you have a lot of time to have seen it. Um, <laughs> right. but it's so different from the other ones that follow, though. It really is a more mm -hmm. has a much more serious tone. Like, yeah, we made jokes about like some of the comical line readings from Chucky. And all that. Yeah, um, it's got comedy but, in it for sure, but, but it's not but it, comedy. And, but it's definitely not done in the way where it's a detriment to the movie. Like not it, at all. Like it's, you're laughing. It almost like you're laughing at the whole first time you hear him talking to the dog's oh, voice because it's almost uncomfortable. Exactly. <laughs> you're, like, you're feeling like, yeah. good about it though. It's helping yeah. the movie anyway. Yeah, I thought so. Like that, that that one moment on the elevator when that old lady says like ugly <laughs> doll, and then you just go like it's fuck going you. Up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, good. That was so awesome. Good. Um, it's, uh, I'm kind of honestly turned off from like even really exploring the sequel since I kind of know the history with the yeah, series. Yeah, I, I kind of like wondering what you'll think of them, and I don't really uh, have any ambition to to watch them. I just like enjoy what I know from this one, and don't. Yeah, <laughs> I just feel like the other ones are just going to ruin the service. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But how many of the sequels have you seen? Um, I've seen all of them, but some oh, only once. Wow. So okay. some only once. Like I, so I have like I Child's Play two. I've watched a fair amount of times. Child's Play three. A decent amount. It's not good though. I've seen Brian okay. Chucky a few times, but then after that, it's really. I only saw Seed of Chucky once. I was like, this is too ridiculous. And then, yeah, uh, I feel like I get lost the, there. And then the straight to video ones are decent, but they're not like great. I, I know a lot of people do like Cola Chucky and uh, the, the ones they did direct to video, but I only watched them once. And, I see. And revisit them. The first one I can revisit over and over again. It's just. Well, yeah, it's, so it's written and directed by people associated with the first, right? Uh, Don yeah, Mancini. yeah. Yeah, and he's managed yeah. to, you know, kind of take this concept and really expand on it. And I, it's really cool to see like the original writer still involved in right. all these for the most part. Uh, so that's Tom Holland nice must have said no way. He did. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> sure, if he like, was I'm, invited I'm, on to do any of the sequels, but he definitely wasn't attached. No. Um, and I think it was pretty clear after because the second one opened up number one too and had a bigger opening weekend, but gross less. And I think it became clear that like this is, you know. Some people will like the whole like leaning in on the comedy, and some people won't. Mm -hmm. It is gory. You might like that. There's some gory stuff in Child's Play too. Okay. Uh, Chucky also goes through the ringer by the end of it. Like that, I don't even know how the dog can come back after what happens to him. <laughs> but I mean, after what happens to him in the first one too. I mean, yeah, I'm not really under the impression. I'm curious if they thought this was gonna have sequels the way they wrote the ending of this one. I guess it must yeah. be too popular not to. 
Oh, uh, I was wondering what uh, since we were talking about Andy's line readings, uh, <laughs> do you like his what should be like a good needle drop for him after the whole like uh, we're friends to the end? <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, this is what, the what, end, what, Chucky. Whatever he says, friend, like friend, and like what do you, what do we give oh, Andy friend, on yes. that? What do we give Andy on that line? <laughs> the line itself is iconic. The line is better than its delivery, I think. It <laughs> yeah, feels right. very much like a six-year-old was just told what to say. Okay. <laughs> um, it's definitely one of his better lines, for sure. I feel like it's delivered just like everything else he says in the movie. Right. Um, but yeah, this is the end, friend. Yeah, no, awesome, iconic horror movie line. Yeah. Also, um, I want to give credit, too, because um, we did talk – I did made the comment about the doll being strong and all that. The actors do a good – job of conveying that they're struggling with something that Absolutely. even though appears very small is like like they're like the scenes where like she has to like hold the door shut and he's like kick, trying to kick in stabbing the knife through the door and like yep. the whole like struggle with the cop in the car like that they was a all, great scene too they all sell very well uh the kind of strength of him and i know very it probably was so. ridiculous on set but they sell it completely well so that's another uh, kudos to that completely agree movie. A lot of physical acting involved with just not just the line delivery. And I'm also not annoyed because usually with movies like this, I get annoyed when like, oh, it's not dead yet. So when they set it on fire and he goes to get the first aid kit and it's gone, I'm like, all right, well, yeah, cool. That's and then he just like it it felt very tropey. Like not gonna lie, kind of. I was like, okay, are we not done yet? (laughs) But it's been (laughs) done worse in movies for sure. And then I'm dying laughing when the cop's partner comes in. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, well, he's talking about he's dead, he's dead, whatever. And he like he breaks through the grate and like grabs him by the throat. Right. And he has this whole dialogue where he's like, kill him, strangle him. <laughs> he's yeah. like telling telling his body to basically kill the cop. Like, yeah, I that's so good. It's ridiculous, but it's it is still, ridiculous. Even, but, yeah. even in that like silly moment there, I was like, I bought every moment of that. <laughs> Definitely. And, and he has a funny line of, too. He's like, "Who's gonna believe me about this?" Yeah, when he's like, yeah. "Do you believe me now?" And he's like, "Yeah, I do." But who's gonna believe me? And like that is pretty much almost ends everything on a kind of dire note because like I'm glad you don't really get scenes of like you know what happens next because really it's like no one's gonna believe them. Really, no, I mean, like exactly they leave <laughs> at a, the perfect spot. Yeah, and like completely bleak. But like I think that is like yeah, that's a tough sell. They're not gonna be able to convince anyone, even if you told you. I mean, you do see a dead doll and there's blood everywhere like that shot through the heart makes everything splatter against the wall but like right how are you really gonna explain that i don't know how you're gonna sell that regardless to, to anybody but uh yeah ends on a per- perfectly fine note like that i mean the fact that it doesn't like lose itself in like during the climax of the movie like because like some of these movies could easily easily uh, after, after building all that tension that pretty well throughout uh that first 45 minutes or so and yeah, i mm-hmm. still think it even though, like the, you know, it kind of reminds me a bit of like when I, I watched the Lost Boys for Halloween, and nice. the last fifteen minutes of that movie is completely chaotic, but they make that work. <laughs> and, like that's True. really kind of that kind of what it reminded me of. Like it gets a little like it's all frenzied because like they're trying to rush up to the apartment while he's about to steal the kid's soul, and then like uh, there's a lot that goes on, but it, they make it work. Um, actually, I'm really glad you brought up the Lost Boys because I was like kind of kicking myself for not bringing this up in our talk about um, us and yeah. how. Um, are you aware of that uh, whole sequence oh, of the uh, boardwalk? Oh, oh, Santa Cruz is uh, yeah, exactly. uh, where they filmed the Lost Boys. Yeah. And it's actually mentioned in like 
in the movie us like remember when she yeah. asks she goes yeah, yeah. Like, telling her like go look at the filming a movie over there and that's yeah, yeah. supposedly that's, that's like, lost boys. yeah exactly i just thought that was a really cool detail i had that written down to bring up when we were talking about it and just never got around to mentioning it so yeah. thank you for reminding me about that i figured that you would have really enjoyed that detail oh i definitely did uh yeah. santa cruz was very happy to have the lost boys film there but they were like you have to change the name because we cannot let you call Santa Cruz the murder right. capital of the world. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. which, is why, which is why they changed it to Santa Carla. But yeah. Uh, Santa Carla. I was going to ask you but, next what it was. But, but, but yes. if you're familiar with what that looks like, you know it's Santa Cruz. You're like, oh, that's Santa Cruz. But yeah, they did not. <laughs> is that actually it. true, though, with the murder capital of the world? No, but, but oh, okay. they didn't want that. Yeah, but because they For the knew sake they of were, the movie. Yeah. They were like, if they were filming there, they're like, hey, you can use our name. And then they like read. Because like when you go to the city and they, you have to read the script first, like someone that's in charge. Right. Of, of, of like creating permits and all that they read it right. and which is why you know with uh scream had a lot of issues when they were filming at uh, their original high school they had to go to another one because they oh. finally read it they finally read it because they're like oh you can't film this like stabby stabby teenager movie here <laughs> like uh <laughs> what and a so, opportunity so like you know they're like yeah we'll totally film here just change the city's name <laughs> so they don't think that santa cruz is the murder capital of the world <laughs> um but yeah uh what are your any final thoughts? What score are you giving Child's Play uh, this summer on? Probably like a seven and a half out of ten. Like I don't really. There's not too many points I would take away from it. It's very enjoyable movie. But like you said, better than it has any right to be. Uh, strong suit being Brad Dorif's performance. The uh, special and visual effects in this movie for its time are still incredible and hold up today. And yeah. uh, just a, one of the highlights of the movie. I guess they're more shown off towards the end of the movie, but they still look great all these years later, like 35 years of child's yeah. play. And I think it's great. I wish I'd seen it sooner, honestly. Um, yeah. But for those of you, maybe that hadn't ever considered watching this movie, because you feel like you kind of know what the Chucky series is all about. I would caution you against that, at least for the case of this first movie, because it is very, uh, very different from <laughs> the other sequels. Yeah, um, yeah. Although I haven't really seen them. I just knowing what I know, you, know, you get the, you get the gist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. This is a standalone, I think, and much better than the movies that uh, come after it. But overall, yeah, about a seven and a half out of 10. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I know I'm going to watch it again in the future and I'm glad yeah. you've had the chance to rewatch it today. I don't know. I still very much a Halloween movie. I wish we had covered it during then, but yeah, you know, yeah, that's the thing about the, what we're doing today, we today. We're, because we're doing this and another sure. horror movie after this. This is and, odd like, that it was a November release. Yeah, you know, it does because we it feels weird. Like, I mean, it seems like the perfect Halloween time release. I'm wondering what it really. didn't want to compete against at the box office if that had something to do with it. Like, I'm thinking of what what's an 88. I guess there was oh, there was um Halloween four. Halloween four, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. That probably was that could have been it, and that was like a big Michael Myers comeback. So they probably and that came out in October, did it not? Yeah, it came October. Yeah, so they probably okay. didn't want to mess with that. So that I mean, it worked it. out. It, it made money, so it, it yeah, still it, out. it didn't suffer. That's for sure. Yeah, um, I yeah, was seven. You? I was seven and a half. It uh as well nice okay on and the same page i think it's, i think it's like i said i think it's solid it's pretty like i said it's a really tight screenplay too it, it comes in and gets out <laughs> you know it's yeah, not really exactly. like there i don't think there's any dragging in it at all like it's i feel like every sweet spot for time right, every every moment's necessary and it doesn't feel like you have any filler at all right. um and i and i also think that the concept itself is just really smart and, yeah and original uh, the time too yeah and uh, yeah, it holds up very, very well. I guess the only thing that you know we both said—it's crazy that 
a child could r- walk around alone in Chicago and take the train. Yeah, <laughs> a six-year-old child. But you guys, gotta suspend you, some uh, disbelief a little bit right there. You gotta understand that he's six and he almost gets blown up. Oh, and he also runs animal. towards gunfire in this movie. Yeah, like, does, when there's does. shots going off, he's like running towards it. Oh, yeah. Chucky's there. Like just brave little kid. Yeah, but yeah. other than that, guys, it's a very solid horror movie. And absolutely. Uh, God, I can't believe we've had Chucky in our lives for 35 years and he's not going anywhere. He's still uh yeah, very so the much show is still on what season four, you say? It's, uh, it's season three, right? So the back season end three, of season three is uh, okay. yeah, so uh, they're filming that now or soon. So yeah, that's funny still that very it's much part well. of the I never would have guessed that it would be like worthwhile or that it would have any sort of positive review thinking about a Chucky TV series, but yeah, yeah good for it. All the power to it. Three yep. seasons is a little long. I could see it being shorter, but yeah, I wonder how long they'll go. You know, that. it gives me faith that I feel like other horror movies could benefit from the TV treatment. Like I said that about Hellraiser, I think that would be a good show. I agree too. Um, I, I, I guess think we'll even like Friday the Thirteenth too. I, I, yeah, and I think Halloween at this point probably might be better on TV than in movie form. So I, still I think gonna the... squeeze in ends Halloween. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They're gonna yeah. do it. Yeah. I remember I was like low key hoping that like oh he's gonna love kills now I'm like yeah I was all wrong about it you're like yeah I still have the same issues with it I <laughs> love Michael Myers in it though so but I don't anticipate that it'll be a fun watch for ends but we'll see uh, I don't know what did someone say on Twitter they was during Halloween uh, and they were like I don't care what anyone says about Halloween kills like it has fucking Michael Myers in God mode and that's all I needed <laughs> yeah and I completely agree with that. And yeah. he's the best I, part of that movie, but everything without him in it, I really couldn't stand. You just cringe. <laughs> it's so all, it just all, takes the, away. all the stuff at the hospital, and you're like, Ugh. yes, exactly. <laughs> but and Michael Myers 15, is great. Last 15 minutes is solid, though. Sure, pretty, pretty good. Absolutely. <laughs> you're like, you're like, you're most of it, for the most part, for sure. <laughs> I think that scene of him masking up again and taking yeah. everybody on is Chef's kiss. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm. I just hear that it's not really. It doesn't follow that trajectory in Halloween ends. So that's why I'm anticipating. Yeah, not you're gonna, like you're gonna, a you're dormant gonna, you're Michael throw, Myers. You're no gonna throw thanks. some chairs, my friend. Yeah, some maybe by the next time we're chatting. Uh, yeah. Obviously, aside from today, when we cover what we're covering next, I think maybe I'll <laughs> had that watch I kinda, in. I kind of can't wait to that. This yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it should be a fun chat. I'm sure um, I'll be in the passenger seat for that one. Uh, you might be. Yeah, you know, and, and that's fine. And it's yes. you know, and it's kind of good that we're gonna have guests on for that. So like, you're just piggyback off of their what I'm yes. assuming will be excitement for a said movie, right? <laughs> um, but yes. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for listening to our talk about Child's Play. It was a fun revisit for me today, and totally, a good one for you. This was yeah, a, 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 one we both agreed on. So yeah, yeah, good, good, very glad to. Uh, uh, and same score, so nice, which is rare. Um, That's great. I mean, rare, usually we're pretty close been, mostly, yeah. but that to land on the same number is great. Yeah. All nice. right, sign us on well, off, my friend. Yeah, okay. Well, that's been episode 131. Of oh, wait, actually, oh, you know oh, what? Oh, I oh. forgot. I What's forgot. Uh, oh, yeah, box before office. We sign, before we sign off, yes, we have a box office for yes. you guys. Okay, great. Um, I'm glad you caught that because I would have won right with, in uh, Eli Roth's Thanksgiving, which is finally hitting the big screen uh, after being introduced as a fake trailer in 2007 in the middle <laughs> of Grindhouse. Grindhouse, if anyone doesn't know, was the double feature directed by Rob Rodriguez and Quinn Tarantino. In true Grindhouse fashion, they had fake movie trailers that played like kind of like the intermission of the right. movie and there were a lot directed by some great people uh you know rob zombie did some Edgar Wright, uh but eli ross thanksgiving was one that's like oh i would love to see that be a movie the trailer it really is like a play on if you've ever watched the trailer for the original halloween it's very much in that same vein um 
and he finally is making it into a movie. He's been this has been talked about since 2007, and then like it came up again in 2010, and then a few years after that, and then I was like, all right, maybe it's never going to happen, and then now it's finally going to happen. Right. This is going to be a big test of is this real hype or is this just like horror movie small inner circle hype <laughs> that right. we are. Uh, kind of like similar to Snakes on the Plane when that took the internet by storm and then like it didn't do as well as they thought it would. Right. Um, I have no real like things to compare this to because we haven't ha- we haven't really had a true slasher movie like this in a while. I mean, you can count like as Halloween, but but like that's different. Definitely um, different. Yeah, an original like this, um, been a long time. <clears throat> yeah. So and you know, I has had a huge hit in theaters in a very long time too. So that's a uh, another caveat. Um, mm-hmm. Addison Ray is in it though. She's a huge oh, TikToker. Right. Oh god! Um, uh, I don't know. Pulling in some of the younger I audiences. I'm wondering if she's going to bring in folks, but we'll see. Um, this is. I'm just throwing a figure out there. I don't really know how else to research it. Um, but I'm hoping for the best. Yeah. It definitely isn't going to be. It definitely isn't going to be number one. That's probably going to be Hunger Games. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, let's see if I can pull up any tracking. Uh, for it. oh, the world's sexiest man, Patrick Dempsey, is the uh, top billed cast, and uh, Eli Roth. Oh, that game. is true. <laughs> he was just awarded that uh, that award, I think, over the weekend. Yeah, People Magazine forgot what year it was, and they gave yeah, it to him. <laughs> little late to the game for sure. I'm Very looking at the budget the of Thanksgiving. Um, probably small, I would assume. I'm not seeing it on IMDb yet. Uh, it's not listed there at the bottom. But uh, yeah, so probably small, but. Trying to see if there's anyone that's predicted. Uh, okay, so on the low end, some tracking says 10 million. Okay, that's kind of what went to my mind immediately without any sort on, of context. On the high end, 15. Okay. I was going to go with 15. Um, okay. I, I, that might be too much. I can't tell. I, I still can't tell if it's like us in the horror circles hyping this up or it, it, did it reach beyond that? Um you really can't tell. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I think the Hunger Games sequel or prequel movie will probably take away some audiences. But I mean, a seasonal slasher, I think, might draw some people. Like, I'm thinking higher end than 10, but I think I'd probably cut it off at like 13, probably be my guess. Oh, 18A too. That'll yeah. that'll impact uh, viewership. But, you know, it's going to be pretty tight. It's uh, got a killer tagline from a tried and true director. Yeah. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt and say it does better than tracking, but I'm going to probably go with 13, I think. 13? All right, 13 for you, 15 for me. Okay. Um, I'm seeing it on Thursday, so we'll see. Oh, um, nice. Kayla, do you hear your thoughts? Turns out. Um, I can't say I will be seeing Hunger Games. I It's not like I don't want to see it, but when I found out it was almost three hours, I was like, that is, what? I, do not need, I do not need that movie to be three hours. Oh, my long. God. <laughs> I was oh, like, the wow. straight up, I was like, the straight up nerve, guys. I and mean, I heard the book is pretty extensive, so I'll give it the benefit of the doubt, but oh. I'd have to be in a special kind of mood to sit through three hours of that. Oh, um, my Lord. That's insane. So, I had no idea it was going to be anywhere near three hours. Yeah. That's tough. Uh, no, so thanks. Yeah, ho- hopefully, uh, well, we're close, and you know what? We will bring back having you guys predict these box office things too. I keep forgetting to post them because I have to post a lot. So I think including you guys in what you think the opening weekends are going to be will be a good thing to start up again. Uh, so we'll want to hear your predictions for Thanksgiving and see if you guys uh, see who wins. Absolutely. Uh, 
So now you can send us home. Okay, with that being said, <laughs> box office predictions in. Thanks, guys, for joining us on episode of 131, where we covered Child's Play. Great uh, to revisit this classic 35 years later. Um, guys, follow us anywhere on socials or anywhere where you guys get your podcasts at Back to the Blockbuster. Thanks a lot for joining us. Gaius, I'll see you very shortly where we cover. I still know what you did last summer. Well, see you then. Take care, guys. <laughs> Peace. You got to love that enthusiasm. <laughs> Definitely. It's a little bit manufactured. A little bit. All right. That's great. Bye, Peace. guys.